Hey, man, I need a fix. I need a fix bad. So you need a fix, huh? Oh, God, man, I need a bad. Hook me up. I got your fix. I got your fix right here. All right, Jeep Junkies, we know you're jonesing for a midweek fix, so we're going to hook you up with a little midweek XJ Talk Show to tide you over. Tonight we have Brian Myers of JCR Off-Road. I think everybody has, uh, at least everybody that has a Jeep Cherokee has been to JCR Off-Road uh, looking at uh, some just really beautiful bumpers and uh, uh, to me looks like very well-made uh, items. In fact, uh, I was looking at those bumpers uh, long and hard before I uh, went with uh, the custom bumper. In fact, if it if I hadn't got the custom uh, winch bumper, I, I would have gone with JCR Off-Road. Anyway, Brian, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, as I like to always uh, start off with, a little bit about the person that I am interviewing and uh, what's your, you know, who are you and what's your connection with JCR Off-Road? Yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, my name is Brian Myers, and uh, I am one of the owners of JCR Off-Road. I'm actually the founding owner. Um, I started the company in March of 2003, so we're actually getting ready to hit our 10-year anniversary in this coming March. Um, we currently have two owners, myself and another. the other owner's name is Daryl. Great. Well, that's a, that's, you've been in business quite a while, so uh, uh, you were telling me before we hit the old record button about the number of employees that you have, so... Uh, why don't you share with us? Uh, I mean, I, I was pretty impressed that you guys are as big as you are. Yeah, um, we currently have seven employees total, including Daryl and myself. Um, we This year has been a huge year for us. Um, we started the year with um, four full-time employees, so we've actually added three employees this year alone. That's amazing, especially in the, the way the economy is. I'm glad to hear that the, somebody in small business is doing so well. Yeah, not only that, but in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you were in Houston, the the unemployment's lower here. You probably would have had a, a much easier time finding people, but uh, I bet you there was plenty of people uh, up there looking for work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We don't we don't ever have a hard time um, finding good good employees. And in fact, you know, we have so many friends and networks, and it's usually often that we have an abundance of, of, of help that's usually well-qualified. How many people uh, actually show up willing to work for Jeep parts? <laughs> uh, we don't ever really entertain that idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I could see somebody hanging out the door. Hey, man, I'll, can I clean? Yeah, the, can I dump something for you? For I'll, I'll just doing a bumper, man. <laughs> we used to have that. We we get we'll get emails for bartering stuff. You know, hey, I have this decal company, and I'll trade you guys decals for this or that, and um, we get that a lot, but. That, it, it's been a long time since we've traded work for work for product. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys have some beautiful bumpers. I looked at, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was, I think it's the pre-runner bumper. Uh, I think that's what it's called, uh, that I looked at for a real long time. It was around uh, 400, 500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we redesigned everything last fall. Um, we have a very good designer. His name is Mike. And he's also like our, our like our shop foreman, so to speak. Um, but man, he has a great eye for design and, um, we kind of let him loose last October and, uh, we were redesigning, we were de- designing products for the new JK and the product was coming out so nice that we're like, let's just redo everything. So we came out with a whole new like Crusader series, which is all formed steel basically. And, um, yeah, I mean, 
I, in, my, in my opinion, we have some of the nicest stuff out there. Yep. I, I mean, a lot of people will, will criticize. I know they've criticized me for my, uh, my pretty Jeep. But uh, I've always felt that you could have both form and functionality, and, and that's the way I've tried to build mine. So uh, the aesthetics of the bumper, I mean, you know, for the cost, I mean, I know that they are cost effective for the, the amount of metal and work that goes into them. But if I'm going to spend somewhere between five and a, a $500 and $1,000 for, for a bumper, I'd kind of like for it to look good, too. And, and that's one of the things that always impressed me about uh, y'all's bumpers. And I, I'd, I'll have to admit, I haven't been to the site here in uh, probably a couple of months, so I need to go over there and have a look and uh, see what the uh, all the redesign's about. Yeah, we, we pretty much, I mean, I mean, our, I think our greatest achievement was our rear tire carry bumper for the Cherokee. It's probably my personal favorite product we make because that thing, like, it does not look like a Cherokee anymore. I mean, it forms the Jeep so well. And then it has the Rotopack cans, which is like a kind of a modern touch. Uh, new product and it's adjustable up and down. Like we, we're so far beyond where we came from that you know it's it's exciting. You know, and we used to make stuff with box tube and you know it, just like everyone else does, and now we make something that it, you know it's exclusive. You know, it's not easy to copy. So yeah, how is the? Well, that's all part of it, isn't it? It's a learning experience, and 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 I guess uh, some people can be stagnant in their uh, learning and uh, experimentation. It sounds like you guys uh, are going a different direction. I, I would think that keeps it keeps it uh, interesting, and uh, you may even have some repeat business. I bet you there's some guys out there that are kind of pissed off because they had a nice bumper and then you came out with a better one, so they had to have it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of people that have actually replaced their old JCR product with new product, and uh, and, and that's just kind of how stuff evolves. Though I mean, it always is that way. There's always something. It's like a TV. You buy a TV now, it's a thousand dollars, and then in Three months, you could buy it for 250 bucks. Yeah. Um, it's well, just the evolution of product. Well, of course, I'm joking when I say pissed off because it's a, it's a good kind of pissed. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know. Like, dang it, I thought I had that taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> oh, my God. Now i got to have this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, do, we all have hobbies, and, you know, it does it to us. Every hobby will take every dollar you have. <laughs> That's very true. Now, um, maybe getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but. Uh, you guys recently came out with a uh, an MJ bumper, which I was really surprised about because they haven't made MJs in god awful long time. I mean, uh, you know, two thousand one for the XJ, but the 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 uh, the MJ, my goodness! Uh, how did you guys come up with that? Well, we oh man, probably about three years ago, we maybe might have been four years ago, we made MJ product. We made sliders and bumpers, and it didn't go well. I mean, we put a lot of time into, into the product and it just did not sell. And I mean, by did not sell, I mean like we sold less than a dozen bumpers in like 18 months Wow! and we sold like five sets of sliders total, like through the entire 18 months. So we just got to the point where, you know, we were expanding and we needed, we couldn't, we couldn't put any more time into it. So we just kind of axed the product line. Sure. And, I hate doing that because there's always, as soon as you do it, you get 600 emails. Hey, I would buy it if you had it. Of course. And, you know, and I don't ever like to give up on stuff like that. So um, when we started doing our redesign and we started making these DIY bumpers for Cherokees, um, it's kind of a cost thing. And it's actually a really cool product and it, and it gives, you know, somebody doesn't necessarily have the abundance of funds, the ability to have a, a nice bumper. So we thought, you know what, let's give the MJ one a run and see how many we can sell. Yep. Uh, and it's uh, it's really cool too because uh, it, like like he was just saying it's a, a do it yourself. So 
it's all cut out and ready to be welded. It's just not put together. So it's yeah. a, it's kind yeah, of, it's, it's a kit yeah. really. Yeah. It has slots. Like the main pieces have slots in them. So you basically just bend it over and then weld it. And, and it's simple we literally on, um, we literally had a 11 year old girl recently do a DIY bumper on her own. So, I mean, it, it, I don't want to, I don't want to negate her ability, but I'm saying that if an 11 year old kid can figure it out, that a grown man should be able to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a great indicator and, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, bad for any grown man that can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, that MJ bumper is kind of one of those things that has always been like a sticker in my chair because I know we gave up on it and I didn't want to give up on it. So now that we came out with this DIY, we thought this is kind of the best of both worlds. It gives them a cheap option for a professional bumper and we don't have to put a lot of time into the product. Right. And uh, so you guys uh, cut all this stuff yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, we do everything in-house. Well, I shouldn't say everything. Our, you can't control other vendors, and that's the hardest part to do business, and that's why lead times get really bad for companies. Sure. They're always waiting on somebody else. So we do everything in-house, and if we can't do it in-house, we are like we figure out a way to do it. Currently, we can't make our shackle tabs, our weld-on tabs. We don't make those in-house right now because we don't have the cutting capacity. We actually have them laser cut because um, we've gone through 1,500 tabs in six months. Oh my God. So we just can't make them in house. So, um, that's one of our things is, but we're looking at, we, Daryl and I went to FabTech last week in Las Vegas because we're in the market to buy a high definition plasma table that has the capacity to do it because we hate, hate, hate outsourcing work because we can't control it. We can't control it. Yeah. You're at the mercy of somebody else at that point. Yeah. I and mean, even the last batch of the earring tabs, they, they were two days late. And we had to drive down and get them ourselves because we just couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, I mean, I've, I'm not in the business of doing things like that, but I can, uh, I can see how that would be very frustrating, especially if you have employees standing around waiting for for product to come in. Yeah, and then you you know you still have to answer the phone, and everybody still wants to know where their stuff's at, and the last thing they want to hear is an excuse. And even if it's not, I mean, even if it's a valid excuse, I just don't have this. No, it's not, it's not valid. Yeah, no, you never want to tell a customer that you've made a bad decision by going with a vendor because it's not their <laughs> not their responsibility. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and lead times have always been a, lead times are like the killer in this in this industry. When you start having long lead times, you really test the patience of customers, and that's something that we've done our best to get away from by trying to put product on the shelf. But as a small business, it's hard to do that. Yep. Now, that was the other thing I was going to ask, and uh, you may have just answered that. What are the lead times? I mean, I'm assuming that you may have a couple of bumpers ready, or, or, or do you wait for the orders to come in before you start putting them together? Um, well, at this present moment, we just did our humongous Black Friday, Black November-type sale that we do every year. And, I mean, um, we had something like 500 items ordered from the 1st of November until fun, last Sunday. So... Right now, we're a little further out, but we've been pretty much at about a week. So if you order it, it's shipping within a week, within like five days. And uh, uh, we've been, um, all summer long, we've been actually putting stock on the shelf so that, you know, if somebody orders this winch bumper, we just pull it off and put whatever to work on it, and then out the door it goes. So, you know, there's like a one or two-day handling time. Um, you know, best-case scenario, if it's something that doesn't have to have anything done to it, it's just done, done, it it'll often go out same day. Okay. Excellent. Okay. 
Well, yeah, I know that's one thing. Everybody, uh, whenever they finally decide to drop the drop the hammer on uh, uh, getting the goodies for their Jeep, that's the hardest part is waiting for it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know yeah, that. That's one of the hardest. I mean, that's absolutely the hardest thing to do to, to manage in in this industry is the lead times because it, it's frankly you can get it's feature famine in a in a small business, so you can get flooded with orders one day and the next day you have nothing to do. Yeah, I can I can see that, especially around this time of year. But it sounds like you guys are doing well now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I see that you guys uh, have uh, uh, you carry product for the Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee, the Liberty, uh, CJ, and Wrangler. And uh, I was just, I was just curious, where are you seeing the majority of your products? Is it, uh, well, I don't imagine it's evenly spaced, but I was, I'm kind of wondering how the, uh, the Cherokee is, uh, how the orders for the Cherokee are, is measuring up with the, uh, the other items. Um, well, the Cherokee has kind of always been, uh, our bread and butter. Um, that was the niche market that we were able to get in at kind of right time, right place, right you know, it just worked out, you know, people were looking for product at that point when I jumped in the game and, and we've always been one of the top names for it. So, um, the Cherokee stuff in the last year has changed a lot because we started releasing all this products for this JK. And since the JKs are now five years old, they're starting to be used models out there. So where we used to be like 75% of our business was Cherokee it's probably more on the lines of about 40% Cherokee and 60% uh, JK product at this point. Oh, that's interesting. So the, the JKs are really making uh, uh, a big uh, push. I guess what you say is, is the main reason since they're, they're getting older and people don't feel uh, as bad uh, uh, taking their 40,000 other vehicles off-road. Yeah, and they're not necessarily paying for a year. I mean, we bought a used 2008 Rubicon recently for uh, JTR shop rig, and it's a you know, two-door Rubicon, it was lifted and everything, and, you know, and we paid, you know, $20,000 for it. So, I mean, you can get them in in the normal person's price range that's willing to play with them. Yeah, but my Cherokee, brand new from the showroom floor, was 24000 <laughs> 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 Yeah, the, the, um, the other owner, Daryl, he had, when he was a kid, well, when we were younger, he had a Renegade. And we always laughed about how much that thing was brand new. It was like twenty six thousand dollars in nineteen ninety three. Oh wow! Yeah, mine's not, <laughs> mine wasn't. I always felt bad about that twenty four k, but of course the Grands were thirty six, and there was no way I was going to have that Yuppie vehicle. Uh, yeah. in, in, in comparison to the, I mean, I went there for a TJ and uh, wound up getting the uh, the uh, XJ because of uh, our two small daughters. Of course, we have that mm-hmm. TJ now, so. Uh, in fact, I'm going to have to uh, have a look at your uh, your TJ, your Wrangler bumpers, uh, and see if I can find something, because uh, I've been wanting to, uh, I've been slowly, I put the 4-inch the lift on the TJ. The TJ is my wife's vehicle, and I've, uh, I've got the 4-inch uh, the lift on there, but I want some uh, recovery points on it. Even though she's never going to take it off-road, something will happen where I need to go get her and winch her out, out or off of something, and there'll be nothing to attach to except suspension. So, yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, it's going to look it's going to look capable. Yeah, but you know, for for me personally, I think uh, uh, I mean I like our Cherokee line a lot. Um, some of the sales that have kind of hung off on those has been. I mean, we kind of jumped on the other side of the middle line of as far as pricing goes. We're on the higher end of pricing with our new design, and that's kind of that was kind of a a compromise for the design and the time in, invested in the product design. Um, 
we were talking about possibly doing some price reductions on our Cherokee products um, to get it back to where we feel like, um, you know, because our, our number one goal with JCR has always been to be the four-wheeling guy's friend, you know. I mean, we're here to make a buck, too, but at the same time, we want to leave money in your pocket so you can play with it. You know, we want you to be able to four-wheel. So, you know, we, we kind of looked at because, you know, we've done times where, you know, steel increase goes up, fuel costs, surcharges pile on, you know, the cost of new equipment, blah, 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 blah. You know, we have seven employees now. So, yeah, everything just keeps adding on and adding on. So when we do these just blank across-the-board price jumps that we have to do for a lot of these, you know, increases that we see, you know, it kind of pushed some of our products beyond where we, we wanted it. So we were actually going to go back and manually do some price corrections on, on a lot of our Cherokee stuff. Well, I bet you uh, uh, you weren't real happy with the uh, the shipping increases because of the gas prices that went up uh, a few years back. Uh, shipping is a nightmare for us. <laughs> we have uh, we have UPS and we ship a ton of product with UPS, and they don't care. They they don't care. They, we we ship oversized products, and they if we ship them overnight, maybe they would care. But I mean, you'd be astonished at how much money we spend a year and have no merit to that whatsoever. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're just like, eh. That's amazing. One of the things, yeah, we have, um, we have variances for our packages because technically our packages, are, a lot of our packages, especially like pre-runner bumpers and stinger bumpers, they fall outside of their size thing, so then we get struck with these oversized two charges. So basically, if the bumper costs $58 to ship from here to California, they'll tack $100 on the top of it. So that bumper would cost us $158 to ship across the country the oversized two. So we've actually worked some some measurement. So they actually give us a little bit of a leeway on some of our products so it doesn't get flagged for that. But we still have audits where the uh, local reps will come out and they'll measure all of our products and make sure that we're... And they do it like every six months. It's absurd. You know, I would think with the amount of money that you guys are, are, are pumping into their coffers that they give you more of a break. I mean, sending somebody out. I, although I guess they got employees like you do, and they're going to send them out there to do something. I mean, they're either that or they're on the Internet uh, at work. So I guess it's good for them to come out and measure something. Yeah, and it, I think it's what the other thing is, is I think the um, local rep is a beginner position. So it's always getting, the people are always getting promoted and there's a new one. And it just happens to be out every six months. And then we got to deal with a new guy and explain to him everything over and over again. It's, it, it's, UPS is not fun to deal with. Well, you know. And we've, we've tried FedEx. We've tried everybody else. We tried DHL. We tried Greyhound. Greyhound actually lost a roof rack one time. <laughs> and we paid for insurance on it. And they basically were like, nope, you didn't ship it. And we're like, here's it. We like faxed them the paper with the signature of their employee and everything. And they're like, nothing. We just, had to eat the loss on it. Wow. I would have raised hell about that. We, we lost. I mean, we tried. What can you do? I mean, you can only chase stuff for so long before, you know, we're wasting an employees, too much of an employee's time. And uh, DHL was bad. DHL would lose packages like crazy. And uh, FedEx won't even call that, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that reminds me of something. You guys used to sell a really cool roof rack. And uh, yeah. you stopped selling it. What happened? The shipping costs, everybody complained about shipping. When when we when we ship our products, we make, we have a very small margin. So, you know, when this bumper costs, we basically pay about a dollar a pound to ship products. And we ship, we do like a flat rate. So it's $50 to ship it, whether we're shipping it in Michigan or we're shipping in California. It doesn't actually cost us, it would cost us like, it may cost us $35 to ship it in Michigan, 
but it's going to cost us $75 to send it across the country. So we've kind of like mediated the shipping costs so mm-hmm. that it's kind of a shared load thing. Right. Um, but with the roof rack, it's an oversized two item. So gotcha. it was a hundred dollars plus whatever they would charge you. So we were paying, uh, I think at the time, you know, the roof rack was like $199. Great deal. However, as soon as you had shipping on, which is like $150, which is what we got charged for shipping, then it was like, whoa, whoa, this is a good deal. You and know, it just, we wanted to come up with something that we could make more modular. And that's one of those things that's on our, uh, on our whiteboard at work that we just hadn't had time to get to. Well, that was going to be my next question. Since you do the, the do it yourself thing with the, uh, the MJ bumper, I was wondering if maybe you guys were considering bringing, uh, the roof rack or a roof back, a uh, roof rack back for the, uh, the Cherokee, uh, in, uh, in a kit form. Yeah. Mike made a design for this, this, what we call the Crusader roof rack, which is like basically made from flat steel and formed. And we made the first, it was supposed to be like two, two sections, like a front and a back. And we were going to make it so you could, like, make add-ons and stuff. And we made that first front half, and we made it out of 8-inch steel. And we put a floor in it, and that thing weighed so much. Wow. It was absurd. And then we're like, hmm. So we we had to, I mean, we just couldn't waste any more time at that point with it. Because we need to figure out um, maybe doing the floor out of aluminum. You know, we need to figure out how because it was just way too much weight. And I'm talking, like, probably, like, 75 pounds for the front half of the rack. My goodness. But, you know, everyone loves the concept drawing, and, and it's a great design. Mike did a great job with it, but it just it's kind of one of those things kind of in our back pocket that we're just trying to have time to do. And, like, um, at some point, I know that Mike really wants to produce that rack or produce a rack. So at some point, we have to look at it again. Okay. And, you know, that it'll probably be, I don't know, I don't want to give it a date, but I would say that, that you know, that if I did, like, our list of Cherokee products is pretty slim as far as, like, expanding at this point ideas, um, which we're always open to ideas. So if people have ideas, post them on our Facebook wall or send us an email. So we're always willing to entertain ideas for product. Um, but the other idea that's kind of in our back pocket is an OEM-style front bumper, so like a heavy-duty version that looks more stock. Yeah, and I've often, I was kind of kicking, uh, kicking around the idea of building my own because none of them seem to go directly to the roof. They all go to the, the roof rack or the rain gutter. And mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be really cool to be able to take the, the factory uh, roof rack off of there and the rails and then put my own, or it doesn't initially have to be mine. I could buy it from somebody, certainly if it was a nice design, uh, and bolt and bolt it straight to the, to the roof so it has a, a truly customized look about it, not an add-on look. Anyway, that's... Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of my my things that I've been r- running around in my head. We put, we messed with one. We mounted a rack on a roof like that once, and uh, we actually saw we we were at uh, Flat Nasty Off Road Park, and we saw somebody that had a turkey with the rack mounted like that, and they caught it on a tree, and it pretty much can't open the roof. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we we're like, eh, I don't think we should do that. Well, there you go. Now, see, you're screwing up my idea. <laughs> You're going to bring facts and logic into the discussion. Yeah, and the other problem is, is that uh, in a lot of the older ones, 87, 87, um, 96 and down, essentially, it's so sporadic of what stuff is on them. Um, 96 model, especially. 96 model is a nightmare. Yeah, the mixture. The mixed year. Yeah. and um, But anyways, the, the roof rack, some of the Jeeps don't even have those mounts in the roof. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. The 97 and up is pretty much the same, but... When we get, speaking of 96, 
when we have installation problems, the first question we ask is, <laughs> is it a 96? And, <laughs> and they're always like, yes. And we're like, well. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it a 96 and what month was it made? <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we have tying brackets, front tying brackets that fit everything. And we never have problems with them. And then randomly we'll get a phone call. Not the holes line up. Is it a 96? Yes. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to open some of the holes up a little bit. That's amazing. It's just weird. It's, yeah, it it's is. bizarre. You would think that it's going to be identical. I mean, I, I know there's somebody out there that worked the line that could explain to you exactly why it is that way, but you would think from from all those years of making the exact same body, you know, that there, you wouldn't expect it to be that different. Well, I guess in 97, you would expect uh, the biggest difference, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, well, I, you know, I think the most interesting thing that I found out was that uh, the, the XJ is about 40% of your business. Have you seen a decrease over uh, a rapid decrease on, on that, or has it been holding pretty no. steady? It's been holding pretty steady. It, the, its share in our company hasn't really changed. It's just that the JK stuff has become so much more. Um, we've grown from last year to this year in sales, we've gone up 60%. And it's mainly tied to that new JK product line, as well as some of our new product. Like um, for the Cherokee, we made those ultimate sliders that mount to the actual body instead of like mounting underneath like traditional box tube sliders. Right. So those have been a big seller. Um, but most of the new JK product line, it's just a, a hot market right now. And um, but the you know the Cherokee market hasn't died off, and, and I don't think it's going to die off for a little while yet. Good. Well. As a uh, as a website uh, runner for <laughs> the the Cherokee and all the the listeners that have Cherokees, we we none of us want the the Cherokees to die out. Uh, although yeah. you know year after year, and you know it's been eleven twelve years now, so it's amazing yeah, it's, it's, it's doing as well as it is. They were actually, like two years ago. We saw a huge spike in Cherokee, and and you know, mostly because they're just becoming affordable wheelers. Um, and they made like 3.7 million of them. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> so they're everywhere. Yep, there are. And you know, it's amazing. I don't see as many of them uh, here in the Houston area as what I used to. Now, a while back, uh, and this is probably a couple of years ago, whenever you guys were uh, vendors on uh, uh, XJ Talk, you guys put up a, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's basically the rear quarter panel armor. And and there was several different ones. I don't know if you guys still uh, still have the the same design because I haven't seen the recent designs. But uh, there there were several uh, designs. There was ones with uh, uh, that would stick out past the uh, the tail lights a little bit. There was some that would uh, incorporate a a box for LEDs uh, LED tail lights. And uh, I asked a question of whoever it was that was uh, coming online as uh, on xjtalk.com as uh, JCR Off Road. I said, what about diamond plate? And I got a, uh, I don't want to say an abrupt, but basically a, like a no or a no way <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> See, I have this diamond plate theme going on on my, on my Cherokee, and uh, the rear quarter panel thing would be really cool, but it, it needs to be diamond plate. So, so what's up with the diamond plate? Why are you guys not, uh, not wanting to uh, in, embrace the diamond plate? Well, the, the 1990s called them. They want the diamond plate back. No, I, I'm just playing. I, I mean, everyone has different preferences. Um, for us, though, it, it's kind of a, an, aesthetic, an aesthetic design issue. Um, Mike especially is is very modern in his design, and he doesn't like to compromise. So we don't like to challenge him because we, we want him to do the best work he can. And he has a good eye. 
But mostly um, the issue that we run into with diamond plate, especially if the product is bent, um, in our press, in our brake press, um, essentially the diamond plate, the diamond tread is going to be facing down into the bottom die. So when we press the steel, it, it, it's going to be dragging against the bottom die. So it actually it would actually mar the die and then it would mar the steel. Gotcha. Well, that's one of the things. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about the diamond plate is it's not as susceptible to to being uh, if you if you put a dent in it, it the the diamond pattern breaks that up uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. and also too it's stronger because it has that much more metal in it. But I, I understand it gives uh, the manufacturers of of bumpers and things more difficulty. I just really yeah, it's didn't definitely, think it's definitely a chore to work with it. Yeah, because the guy that made my. Uh, my custom front bumper uh, absolutely refused to do the whole thing in diamond plate. <laughs> and I agree with you. And I agree with you. Diamond plate is an old style type thing. And, and I just, I thought about it and I liked the smooth look and, uh, but I wanted it to be a little different. So I went with the, cause everybody was doing the smooth and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the diamond plate and uh, the whole back bumper is, uh, is completely diamond plate. He no longer makes those. And uh, the custom is a diamond plate in the front, so it has this diamond plate look. And then I've got diamond plate along the side uh, on the, the rockers and the uh, uh, just below the door. So, you know, quarter panel yeah. of diamond plate. <laughs> the other issue is cost. Since it's not used as much, yeah, the plate is used as much, it, costs, it actually costs more than just regular 316 steel yeah well i'm just giving you a little bit of hard time it's not that big a deal everybody you ask anybody they'll say it doesn't matter he's never going to take it off road anyway and (laughs) i keep telling them it's my daily driver damn it i can't trash it (laughs) because i gotta go to work monday (laughs) (laughs) well that's great uh and it's interesting to hear about the um uh, the roof rack as a possibility now we do have an xj talk member that actually has one of your roof racks and and he loves it and that's one of the reasons why i was interested in it because i've seen it firsthand and uh, i don't know how long he's had it how long has it been since you guys uh stopped selling those um we we cut it loose i think about a year ago okay that makes sense um with intent with our intentions to make a newer one um you know it's funny because those and uh, we also made a light rack for a short amount of time that bolted to the rain gutters and mounted like four lights. It's kind of a pre-runner style, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really cheap. It was like 129 bucks, and it didn't sell well. And I was really surprised. I thought like this is a hot product. I, I I was all proud of it. You know, I, I made it all by myself. I thought it was a great idea. You know, it was like because everyone liked the pre-runner look to our rack, utility rack, but they didn't want the rack. It did not sell well. And the funny part is, is now when you go on forums, our roof rack and those light racks, they're like. If somebody can find them, they can charge so much money for them. You know, that's interesting because I had, uh, I, I like the idea of having lights uh, on up top like that. Uh, and I kind of like the idea of not having a roof rack. I'd actually considered getting a roof. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd actually considered getting a roof rack and storing it. So in case I needed it, I could put it on there and we could load up a bunch of crap and go. But I thought it would be cool to have the ability to have lights. And it, I also thought it would be neat, like those off-road uh, vehicles, the, like the pre-runners you're talking about, yeah. where, where the bar goes over the lights uh, or even uh, uh, kind of a, a circular pill shape type thing where it goes around the lights, but where it bolts to the, to the, uh, to the A-pillars or even to mm-hmm. you know, up there front where it's just a like a standalone unit. I thought that was a... For me personally, I thought that would be a really cool way of having the lights and not having to have 
the roof rack. In other words, making it a little different than everybody else's. So I'm re- I, I did not know about your your light rack, and I'm really surprised it didn't sell better. I, I, I would have <laughs> thought that would have been a, a good seller. You know, the thing is now is if I said, hey, Mike, let's, let's make a modernized version of my light rack idea, and he would hop on Rigid Lights website, and we'd have to be like, we're going to use this $1,000 51 inch LED light. Yeah, uh, that's true. Hey, that's what people want to. I mean, that's it's hard. You know, not everyone wants to spend a thousand dollars on this light bar, but there's people that want these. Uh, it's tough. It's a t- it's tough to. Everyone thinks that they have a great idea, and and because they're interested in it, they think everyone's interested in it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the, we, the the downside is when you think you got a great idea, it uh, potentially costs you a lot of money, time and money. Yeah, yeah. And as far as that that light rack, I mean. We sold enough of them to recover, you know, costs. But on some of the stuff, like bumpers especially, you know, we'll spend, you know, Mike and I will combine to spend, you know, a couple weeks worth of time through, you know, the prototyping, putting it into production, and actually running it through production. So then we run a batch of them to make sure they're good, and then we'll test them, and then we'll run another batch. And then, you know, we have to... do installation instructions and get pictures and get everything online. And, you know, we put a lot of time into product and when it falls on its face, it's, you know, just not fun. Well, I mean, I know that's just the, the cost of doing business. And I'm sure after, after getting beat with a, with a get it wrong stick a few times, your, your decision making gets a little better. Um, yeah. You know, something that I was wondering about on the JKs, they, they have the two door and the four door JKs. Um, and I don't know if the, the, the two letter designator is the same for both of them, but, uh, is the bumper, the front and rear bumper, any different between the, the two-door and the four-door models? No, they're the same. They actually call the, the four-door one a, a 10 Unlimited, so it's a JKU. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then two-door is just a JK. Yeah, everybody um, says, J- just kidding. How do you like that JK? You know what? To be completely honest with you, it is a great platform. It's, it's really tough because, you know, everyone wants to be nostalgic and, and hold on. Like CJ people, you know, when the YJ came out, it's the crap Jeep. You know, everyone wants to hold on to what they have, but at some point, at some point, you you know, the market runs up on something that's old. There's just not as many available. They're rusty. They're beat up. And the JK, for something that, to go out right now and buy a vehicle off of a car lot that you could actually turn into a wheeler, the JK is like one of the only real options. Well, I tell you this, that whenever I saw the, the four-door JK, I knew that if they had had that whenever I was getting my XJ, I would have got that instead because I wanted a TJ at the time. I wanted that Wrangler style, that look, and to have the ability of basically a Wrangler but in four-door that would have taken care of my wish to, to have a, a back seat for my two small daughters. So yeah, hands down. Yeah, we've said that a lot. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the Cherokee replacement is the JK Unlimited. It's the next version of what the Cherokee essentially was. You know, it's a family-sized hauler that can four-wheel and has, you know, the ability to be customized. And, and you get that. There's nothing, and you there's get nothing that, against either, you know. Yeah, and you get that longer wheelbase, which was always the plus for the Cherokee. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's really tough when the, the JK market's kind of weird. It's a little fickle right now. Um, there's a lot of people that, um, I don't know, they're, because they spend a lot of money on these things brand new, their yeah. expectations are really tough to meet sometimes. <laughs> and and it's different. Like with our Cherokee people, most of them are like, I don't know, they're like blue-collar 
not all of them are that way, but the most of them, the majority of them seems like blue collar guys. Sure. Hands on, I think is what you, I love think. Love America. They have a dog, <laughs> and you know, like. <laughs> yeah. And more hands on time. Yeah, and then, and so then you know when if we run into it's bound to happen. You know, we build something incorrectly, something gets damaged in shipping. The charity guys are just like, yeah, I'll figure it out, and then we just send them a T-shirt. You know, or, <laughs> in, like, right. and they're thrilled. But the JG people, you know, if it gets shipping damaged in shipping, it ends up coming back to our shop. We're sending a replacement, and then we're fixing the shipping damage and trying to send it to the next person, and and on and on and on. Or we'll pile it in the back and have to do a garage sale of stuff that you know dings and dents. I was just going to ask you about that. Uh, how do you handle that stuff? Do you do you sell those locally? Do you put them up on eBay? How do how do people get those things? Um, normally, I throw them up on uh, like we'll just pile stuff up for like a year, and then prototypes and um, anything that's been damaged in shipping or if uh, if something is like you know some it happens. We hand build everything, so something will get welded incorrectly or a quarter panel line will be missing a hole that the plasma cutter missed and we didn't catch it, so that part will come back. What we'll usually do is we'll repair it to make it, but a lot of times people paint the stuff, and oh, then wow. at that point, we can't really do anything with it. Oh, yeah, because so, they, they paint it before they install it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and we have to tell everyone, don't do that, don't do that, and as long as it, if, it, if, somebody painted some, if somebody gets something and installs it, and they have a problem with it, and it's painted, our first instinct is our first thing to do is to repair it as opposed to replace it, and that usually, I mean, they don't understand and they get frustrated. But we can't do anything when when we get the product back. We don't sell painted products, and a lot of times the finish is damaged and shipping on its way back and stuff like that. So we always tell everyone put our stuff on first and then finish it and then put it on. Yeah, do a test and, uh, fit at least. Yeah, and and. You know, some people just get in a hurry, and I understand. I completely understand. I mean, I do the same <laughs> I gotta, thing. With, I gotta get it. I gotta get it on there. I gotta see how it looks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have three hours, <laughs> and then my kids are home from school. Like, I understand, and, and it sucks to be in that position to, to be like that. But we just we can't constantly have a product coming back that's painted that we can't do anything with. Well, shipping's a killer, and it's especially especially killer when you got to do it three times. <laughs> yeah, so we end up we end up uh, piling stuff in uh, in our lean to. And then, um, you know, maybe once or twice a year, well, basically when I go back there and I trip over the stuff and then I'm like, I got to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> and then I'll take pictures of it all and I'll throw it up online. Yeah. Um, we've been using our Facebook page a lot more to push a lot of that stuff. Oh, they, good hey, idea. Yeah. And then, and then if, they, if people buy it, we just delete the picture um, and let people call in and order it. That way it's just not local people getting, you know, because um, of all of our sales, Three percent of our entire sales for the year are Michigan. Wow! So um, it, it's, in my opinion, it's not fair to just give local guys the opportunity to get this scratch and dent and prototype product when the majority of our customer base is throughout the whole United States. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I was asking how people could get that stuff because I'm I'm sure that there are some Cherokee owners that also uh, have uh, JKs. Or they're going to get JKs, and if you got something for a JK that they can get a little cheaper because somebody else uh, was too, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be hateful, yeah. but a little too sensitive about the about how it looked. But I can understand that if you pay forty, fifty thousand dollars for a vehicle, and especially if that's your your first four wheel drive, or maybe it's not, maybe it, maybe you just want, like I was saying earlier, you just want something that that matches the the quality of what the the looks of what you have. And of yeah. course, that's one of the things that that drew me to to JCR Off Road was how nice everything looked. 
and how well built it looked. And I don't want uh, some sort of crappy thing hanging off my Jeep. Now, if, if I bought it for $1,000 and I was going to take it out and beat the hell out of it, then what do I care? But it's mine's a daily driver, so I want it to look nice. Well, one of the other issues that we have is that we sell everything unfinished. Um, we actually had UPS tell us that if we continued to finish the product and, and do insurance claims for damages, that they would stop carrying, they would stop being our courier altogether. Wow, what a so great we, what a great we, position to be in! How they can dictate <laughs> to the customer like that. So we had no choice, and at that point, we were like, "Well, we're gonna get some everything bare metal," and it wasn't a problem. It's not a problem for our Cherokee guys because. They're all handy, and they, you know, like, hey, I get to put whatever finish on it. it. Saves me money. I get to choose whether I want to spend a lot of money on a finish or just rattle can it. Right. But the JK people that have a fifty thousand dollars Jeep, they don't. Most of them don't know how to spray paint, and they don't want to spray paint, and then they don't know how to network, and it's it's tough because we lose a lot of sales to that. But I know that in like another four or five years, it's going to be just like the charity stuff. People are just going to be like, heck yeah, that's the way I want it. Well, as the price comes down uh, on those, the used vehicles, then yeah, you're going to get uh, more of the, the hands-on kind of people, the ones that don't have uh, the 40, 50 K just to drop on a, on a Jeep. So yeah. And nothing against those people. I mean, I like everybody that has money. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that, but there is a different, there. It, it's a different lifestyle whenever you don't have the money to spend and you want something, you have to figure out a way to get it or just, or just do without. Yeah. And the other thing is that, I mean, we ship everything bare metal and since everything comes bare metal, we can't hide any flaws. So with that being said, you know, we're basically showing you, it's like standing there naked. I mean, we're showing you our naked product and a lot of times, you know, they, if it came finished, they would have no problem. They'd be like, Oh, this looks awesome. But because, you know, it's unfinished, they can see everything, and then okay. who knows? Okay, I got, I got a million-dollar advertising idea for you. This will take care of your problem with that, that certain segment of JK uh, 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 purchasers that, that don't like it bare like that. You get a, a very nice-looking young lady and get a very nice camera crew and have her stand there naked holding your, your bumper, JK bumpers, or any <laughs> of the product line. And, and you put on there something along the lines of, uh, we, we stand bare naked. <laughs> we let you dress, we let you dress your bumper the way you want to, or something along those not, lines. Okay. The idea is, the idea is not completely fleshed out, but I think you get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. But the thing is, is that our style would probably be to take Al, our front guy, our front desk guy and make him stand naked. Hold See, it. and that's the, to me, that's a beautiful thing too, <laughs> because the, the ooh factor will be just as memorable as the, uh, ooh <laughs> factor. So. Yeah. We're, we're pretty, uh, that's kind of the, if people follow us on Facebook or if they've ever stopped at our shop, they'll they'll see that we're very personable and and we definitely have a good time. I mean, we play jokes on each other like constantly. And uh, the first the first day that Al came to work for us, he recently started uh, working for us in August, I believe. And I told him he was getting trained by Eric, a guy who who actually relocated to Washington State. And I was like, Hey, if you're not, I said. Al, if you're not going to be doing anything, why don't you make a sign and go stand out by the road like the pizza guy? <laughs> and then I went back to work, and like a half hour later, I was like, where's Al at? And I went outside, and he made a sign, and he was twirling him by the road. <laughs> oh, God. That's great. But it's great having attitudes like that because you you got to be there every day and so many hours. So, you know, it's it's good to have a, a good working relationship with your, uh, yeah, with one your coworkers. Of our kid, one of our welders, um, his name is Casey, 
And we gave him a nickname, like, immediately. I call him Doodle Jump after that video game, just randomly. And uh, he's homeschooled, so we always tease him for being homeschooled. <laughs> no. And he'll, he, he'll always show us his homeschool high-five, and it's basically him high-fiving himself over his head. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned Facebook a couple of times. Uh, what are the various ways people can, uh, can get in touch if, with you? Of course, the jcroffroad.com uh, website, but uh, how do they get you on Facebook, and are you on Twitter, YouTube? Um, we don't, we're not on Twitter. We have a couple of videos on, on YouTube. We really haven't done a whole lot with YouTube. We've talked about it. Um, it's, it's kind of like the next step for us. Um, when we hired Al, he's our first time that we've actually had just a front desk customer service rep. We've always had somebody that did that slash something else. And, uh, so eventually I'd like to get to the point where we have installation and stuff on YouTube. But, um, right now the easiest way to, to, to contact us is pick up the phone and call us. Al always answering the phone. He calls people back. They leave voicemails. Um, if you follow us on Facebook, we uh, we post all the time. We post pictures of us smashed and stuff because we like to smash things when we get mad. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> the best thing I think we smashed was uh, we had a Canon um, camera, and it, it was just, oh, it was driving me nuts. And we dealt with this thing being a pain for like three months. And finally I was like, I'm done with this camera. So Daryl went out and smashed it in the press. <laughs> So when we document it when we smash it, like Al likes to listen to country music, and no one else in the shop likes country music. So we actually smashed our computer speakers to get him to stop. Oh, wow. But so anyways, um, on Facebook, we're always posting goofy stuff like that, pictures of us doing plain jokes on each other. Um, but people can post right on our Facebook page or message us on Facebook. Um, and then email right off of our contact site. You know, there's a, a light form that kind of you tell us what your issue is from like four or five choices, and then it gets directed to whoever um, would be the person to answer that question. Um, but the easiest way is, you know, during our business hours to call and talk to Al. And if you call outside of our business hours, just leave a message, and Al's always calling people back right away. Uh, what's your number? 269-353-1184. Excellent. Now, <clears throat> you gave me a hard time about the diamond plate. I'm going to give you a hard time. Uh, if you're not online and you're asking people to call you on the phone, I mean, how 90s is that? Actually, that's 80s, I know. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, like, the first instinct of people is to go onto a forum and talk about the problem. But we don't, I mean, we surf a lot of forums. We surf, like, uh, 12 different forums. And so we rely on people that, like, hey, you guys noticed this thread? And then we're like, oh, no, we didn't. And a lot of times there's that, you know, someone will have a problem with our product or a missing bolt or this or that, and they'll make a big deal out of it where if they just got a hold of us, we would fix it right away. Sure. No, I understand. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and, and no, we always try to keep people we always try to keep people calm on uh, xjtalk.com and, and, and encourage them to speak directly with the vendor. And uh, I know I, I uh, there's been a couple of cases where people are just there, they're upset, and they're just trying to badmouth and uh, – I, I kind of try to ask questions because there's very few bad vendors out there. I mean, if you've been in business any length of time, uh, everybody knows how, uh, especially in the day, day and age with the communications the way it is, you know that you don't want somebody going out there with this ability to tell the whole world their thoughts yeah. and ideas that may be wrong. And uh, so I always try to balance that out on the site. Oh, you know what? When we see those threads, they're, they're frustrating at first, but... In the end, we always look great because, you know, as soon as they air the issue, we air the resolution of it, and then everyone's like, oh, look, they took care of it. Of course we took care of it. We're not looking to make anybody's day miserable. 
Yeah. We should set up a, we should do a text, we should set up a texting thing where people could text their questions then. Maybe that would be the next way to go. Yeah, it's true. Well, not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, well, I see you guys on occasionally, uh, on, uh, xjtalk.com, uh, and, uh, jumping in there and looking around. So I guess that's one of the, uh, one of the sites that you guys peruse. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of them <laughs> and there's so much. And we just try to, our number one goal is to just make sure misinformation is out there. I mean, people can it, talk about their experience with us, um, negative or positive, however they feel. I mean, that's their right. Um, just like when someone, you know, misrepresents our product, it, we just don't want the misinformation. I don't want somebody to buy something based on what somebody said and then it'd be wrong. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, also too, if you're going to get dinged for something, you want to make sure that you were, it was really your mistake or your fault and not just something that they misunderstood, et cetera. So yeah, I don't blame mm-hmm. you. And you'd be surprised at how many people don't read our product descriptions on our website. No, I wouldn't. The reading instructions or reading descriptions of things <laughs> is the last thing you do. You just look and, you know, use, and if it doesn't work out, then it's certainly something wrong with the design, not your ability to understand something. No, I, I'm a man. I understand how that thing works. Yeah. Yeah, that's where those, you know, YouTube reviews, because people would rather sit and watch a four-minute review. This is our product. This is how it opens. This is how it works, as opposed to just reading it's made from 316 steel and built in-house. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, look, man, uh, I kept you over much longer than what I had intended, which I'm perfectly happy with, but I always feel bad for the guest when I tell them 30 minutes and it winds up being 50 minutes or, or two hours. I actually had had a guest over two hours on the on the phone like this, and uh, it was a lot of fun for me. I don't know how bad it was for them, but anyway. No, I had, I had a blast. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, it's not every day we get to, you know, talk to people. And, you know, when we started growing our business, we used to have a lot of people stop in and and we still do this to the day. If somebody stops in at our shop, we're going to give them a tour. We want you to see what we do, how we make it. We want you to feel like you're part of, you know, when you're making a purchase with us, you're getting a part of us too. You know, you're getting us backing you up. We know what we're doing. We're proud of what we do. So for, for me to get the opportunity to air a lot of these stuff, I mean, a lot of stuff people have no idea. And so it's, you know, wow, that's interesting. You know, like the UPS thing. Is interesting. Yeah, it was to me. That that amazes me, and it amazes me how they how they treat you guys. It's almost like uh, the way Coke does some of these uh, uh, national businesses, and that's the reason why Taco Bell doesn't carry Coke is because they don't give them any breaks. Which it just amazes me. Just amazes me how how a company can get that big that they can start dictating to the customer what what they will and won't do with their product. Yeah, it, it's tough because in my position now, I've done similar stuff. You know, I mean, like we'll just say blatantly no to something and not even give it a second thought. We're essentially doing the same thing just on a different scale. So I, I always try to give whoever's running, they obviously know their business better than I do. So there's a reason for it. They're not just doing it to be mean to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. But there, there, I think there still needs to be a bit of latitude, uh, especially when, uh, um, thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars is, is spent every year. I mean, I know they're uh, a multi-million, maybe even a multi-billion dollar a year company, but you know, people don't have to buy, uh, don't have to ship. And you know, there's, there's other things that you could be doing, uh, that I'm sure would be as profitable, but, uh, yeah. Well, with UPS, I mean, they, they have a hub about every 45 minutes. They're the most reliable 
you know. No, I, I love I love UPS. I just don't like the idea of any anybody dictating. It would be like you, me calling you up and say, "Hey, I'd like to spend four hundred dollars with you on this bumper," and you'd say, "Yeah, well, uh, we're kind of busy right now. Can you call back in an hour?" And <laughs> I mean, really, that's the way I look at it. Is that if, <laughs> if you're not interested in my business, then I don't need to spend my money with you. That's how. That's actually how a lot of our local customers feel with. Um, like we used to do a lot of like roll cage installations and lift installs and stuff. And, and anymore, we've kind of streamed our business to just doing manufacturing. Sure. So they'll come in and they'll be like, "Hey, I'd like to get a cold for a cage," and we're like, "We don't do those anymore." And then they're like really offended and sad. Oh well, I can imagine <laughs> they would be disappointed, but uh, certainly they have to understand. Uh, you know, but you, you see, this gives other businesses, other people, the ability to start up a business. I mean, they could start one up very close by work out a deal with you and you could just direct them over there and it's a win-win. So. Yeah, I mean, we, we direct all of our, you know, lift installs and some other mechanical work to a, a shop in town and, you know, we try to pass on the business. It's just that I can't believe it because there's when we first started this thing where we were working 80, 90 hour weeks, we wouldn't turn away a quarter. You know, we worked our butts off for everything and now we just, our time, so we're so time constrained, you know, and, the manufacturing side is so big that it's just like, well, we don't really have time to do that. And it's really hard to tell somebody that you don't have time for them. Yeah. No, I understand because uh, they're, they're the most imper- important person at the moment. If anybody can figure out how to manufacture time, they are going to be a very wealthy person. <laughs> well, they, they probably have, and they've uh, gone either to the past or the future. <laughs> Well, Brian, I want to thank you a lot for being with us tonight, and it has been a very interesting and pleasant conversation, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get you or whatever representative that you hire in the future to be your uh, social media person <laughs> back on the show. Yeah, I mean, if you can, uh, if you have some of your followers who want to start asking questions, uh, I can, I'll, I'll field questions on, on your guys' bulletin board, or I'll come back on and do it on another podcast if people have specific things they want to know. I mean, we're... With the exception, I'm not going to tell you how much our profit margins are. I'm pretty willing to, to share, you know. Yeah, you know, it's a sad thing. People would ask that question. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Which is just rude. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm willing, I'm willing to explain anything. If someone wants to know how, you know, we built our own plasma table or how we got started. I mean, I'm willing to share everything. I don't really we have nothing to hide. That's so. great. That's exactly the same, same way I am. I figure if there's somebody, it's the way I did with XJ Talk. I figure I'm going to start this thing. I'm going to do it the best way that I can do it with one simple rule. And that's going to be that we don't bash uh, people and what they ask and what they say. We want to make sure that everybody has uh, the ability to ask a question without worried about getting flamed from uh, other members. And mm-hmm. if, it, if, it, if somebody else comes up with a bulletin board, uh, a forum that's better than mine, great. I, I didn't do my job. So, I don't mind explaining things to people and, and, and including them in. So I appreciate exactly what you're saying, and I think that's the way everybody should be. And if everybody was, uh, the world would be a lot better place. Yeah, so um, listeners, if you guys have any questions for me, feel free to post away. I'll, uh, I'll hop on and make sure that I answer them the best I can. Well, great, Brian. Thanks a lot for being here, and uh, I'm sure our uh, members will really enjoy this interview. Yeah, thank you for having me again. My favorite site is XJTalk.com. XJ Talk. XJ Talk. It's where you go when you're not off-road.